Welcome everyone back to the Peanut Gallery podcast. It is episode five. We are still here. I'm still in Kansas City. It's sunny. It's not 100 degrees, which is enjoyable for me. Jared, how are you? How's Dallas? I'm doing great. I got NBA playoffs going on, NHL playoffs. We have Champions League soccer and training camp for the NFL. So sports are back in action. It's nice. Oh, I love it. I mean, my wallet didn't love it this past weekend when I took Portland uh, to cover the six points. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. But let's dive into the to the NFL. That's what we're here for, most excited for. We're recording this on the 19th, so Wednesday. You all will be listening to it tomorrow, come out the 20th. And as far as the NFL, a couple topics we're going to run down today. We're going to talk about the Travis Kelsey and George Kittle contracts, what those mean for each team. Was it a team-friendly deal, player-friendly deal? Look at it against previous tight end deals. Did they break the market, or is this something we've seen before? Which teams will have the biggest turnaround compared to last year? Which teams will have the biggest downfall compared to last year? And then lastly, we're going to close it out with some training camp battles, specifically uh, quarterback position for the Miami Dolphins, the New England Patriots, the Washington football team, and, you know, a very heated battle up in the north, the Chicago Bears. So, Jared, let's kick it off. Let's go into the Kelsey and Kittle deals. What did you think of the deals? What did you think it meant for each team? And do you think they were both team-friendly deals or player deals? Sure. So go ahead and start with George Kittle. He's 26 years old. He received a five-year deal, total value of $75 million. Average per year is $15 million. Total guaranteed is $40 million. And the guaranteed at signing was $30 million. Um, looking at this, he was making $674,000 a year. So Kittle just nice got pay a bump. Sh- a massive pay bump. Um, I don't think you could argue that this is a win uh, just for the team. The Kittles also winning out by that massive pay increase. And not only that, this is the largest contract a tight end's ever received in the history of the NFL. Um, so this is the biggest tight end contract. And I still think personally that these tight ends deserve to get paid more. Uh, I don't think the if you compare them to the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL, the bottom like eight, nine, 10 uh, wide receivers are being paid around 16.2 million a year and Kittle's below that. So at number eight, nine and 10, it's like the Deandre Hopkins, Brandon cooks and Adam Thielen's are getting paid that 16 million on average a year. And Kittle with this new deal is just, right below them he's actually he would be number 12 amongst the receivers uh jarvis landry's above him with 15.1 million and then you'd have kittle so when i look at tight ends they're doing more than just catching the ball they have to block they have to they got to do the dirty work on the line and then yes at times they're going on massive routes and if your name ends with a k apparently kelsey and kittle they're catching massive bombs and making touchdowns happen for their teams. And not only that, they're taking them to the Super Bowl um, where they both met, obviously, last year. So on that note, 
I'd like to see him get paid a little more. I think they're doing more than the Jarvis Landry's out there. I understand Jarvis Landry was one of the best receivers in the league not too long ago. But George Kittle's 26 years old, like I mentioned before. Overall, if I look at did the 49ers win this contract or did Kittle? I think it was both. I think player and team both win. He's 26 years old. They signed him for five years. That's a lock. This guy's going to be good until he's 31, no doubt. And the so the 49ers are good there. And Kittle's getting a huge pay increase, as we mentioned earlier. So player and team win that one. Um, what do you think about the Kittle contract specifically, Dan? Yeah, I liked it for both. Um, I don't think there was a loser in either scenario. My biggest takeaway from this, and especially for Kelsey too, is both teams locked up their number one option for their franchise quarterback. Um, some might say that's um, Tyree Kill for the Chiefs, but I would strongly disagree. Kelsey is not only someone that Mahomes looks for in the red zone on first downs on third downs. He's every single down Pat Mahomes first option. If open is Kelsey. And I think it's the exact same way for Kittle here too. So from my standpoint, when you look at some of the quarterbacks previously too, I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you just for a sec. Cause I, you said, Hill is one of the Chiefs' biggest targets or one of Patrick's biggest targets. Why then is Kelsey getting paid less than him? And not not just by a little, but significantly. Like we're not talking a couple million here. We're talking uh, tens of millions of dollars less than I, Hill. Hill signed that contract not too long right, ago. Right. And, and I think I agree with your overall premise where you were going, which is these top-tier tight ends, the Kittles, the Kelseys, Ertz as well, they need to be getting paid like the Julio Joneses and those types of wide receivers because, to your point, they aren't just amazing at receiving, which they are. They also block. And that creates a lot more matchup problems for a defensive coordinator than um, trying to plan for like a Michael Thomas. And to, to answer your question of, you know, why is that the case? I don't know. I think it's perception. And overall, the league has not come around to valuing tight ends like a star wide receiver. I don't know when that changes. I think Kittle taking that deal is a step in the right direction for tight ends of the future. Not only did he obviously get the bag himself, which is key for himself, but by getting that huge contract, he is setting up future tight ends, the the young tight ends, the guys who aren't even in the league yet, to demand that type of money to be paid like a number one wide receiver option as as well, because that's what they are to their teams and franchises. So I get that. Um, and I think there's both sides to an argument here. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the wide receivers side for just a second and talk about Travis Kelsey's deal, because his deal was a little different than Kittle's. He, he's 31 years old, which would will be the age of Kittle after the his contract's over that he just signed. Right. So at age 30, let me be specific here for the uh, statistic guys listening to us. Travis Kelsey turns 31 in October. He's 30 right now. But he'll be 31 in just under two months. His new contract's four years, $57 million, and he'll be making on average $14 million a year. 
we were talking about Hill being one of the bigger targets. Hill's younger than Kelsey. I think he will definitely have more output than Kelsey in the next four years. And because of that, I think he should get paid more. And Hill being younger and, and, and both of them are not prone to injury. So I, I think they both, you know, the, the thing here is, is Travis will be 35 by the end of this contract. And I don't know what his production is going to look like those last two years. So to me, the, the 57 million overall, 40 million guaranteed is great for Travis as a player, but I'm not sure that I would consider the Chiefs a winner here. Yes, in the short term, they're locking a player uh, that Patrick is going to target over and over again, but at what cost? And in year three and year four of his contract, are we going to start to see Travis Kelsey degrade like Gronk did? We haven't seen that yet, so I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, but it's one thing that I'm worried about. I would consider still it's a win-win for both team and player. But the team's winning in the short term. In the long term, I don't think I can say that uh, with 100% certainty that the Chiefs made a good deal uh, looking four years ahead. Yeah, I honestly think the Chiefs did make a good deal with the Kelsey one. And the reason I say that is because the final two years of his contract, um, I was looking at the very <laughs> the Excel file, aka like page 10 in Google of his deal. And in 2024 and 2025, if we released him in, before the 2024 deal started, that contract year started, it'd only be a three mil cap hit over the next two years if we cut Kelsey, if hypothetically he was declining in 2023 and we wanted out. So the way they constructed the deal was to pay Travis basically all that $28 million in guaranteed in the first years of the contract. Um, and I think Kelsey's a little different compared to Kittle. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me when I say Kittle's a better blocker. He just is. Travis, he's one of the best, the best yeah. he's blocking tight end in the league. Absolutely, which is why I think it's not going to be a big issue towards the end of Kelsey's deal that we're still paying him, you know, what he deserves. Because I think he'll still be producing because Andy Reid utilizes him a lot more like a wide receiver in the passing game than in the running game, which obviously helps, you know, less hits on the body and, and all that stuff that eventually attriculates over time for players in the NFL and, and as their bodies deteriorate. So I think the deal was good for both sides and I don't foresee Kelsey's talent deteriorating, you know, in 2025, we can revisit and talk, talk and see what new deal he gets. But I think for the sake of the new contract, he signed four more years extending onto his current two years. He had left on his deal all six years he has left. I think he'll be a really, really good tight end. So what do you think, it compares to when you look at the other tight ends in the league and their contracts. Yeah. I, I think the other tight ends I looked at, uh, Hunter Henry right now is getting paid the most, which obviously Kittle and, and Kelsey just changed. Uh, Austin Hooper just signed with the Browns for four years, 44 mil. So average of 11 per, a mil per year. He got 23 mil guaranteed. To me, Kelsey is way better than Austin Hooper. And then from a previous standpoint, you know, Kelsey, or excuse me, not Kelsey, Gronk 
kind of set the market back yeah, six years ago. Yeah, that 2012 deal, it was a six-year, 54 million, 20 million. And everyone at that time was like, oh, my gosh, like, look, look at this for a tight end, which still, to me, at that time was – was a steal like tight ends were again still not getting paid what they deserve and i even right. went far 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 back i was i went and looked at like shannon sharp um tony gonzalez looking at their deals and look at their deals i was like then compared to grok i'm like oh my god those guys were getting paid pennies not on um, not only that but gronk at that time i think was coming off an injury in 2011 um right. and so for him i mean that's a no-brainer it was the Patriots that were taking a risk right there uh, and giving him that massive of a contract for the time be, being tight ends were just not getting paid that high, like you mentioned. So in 2012, Gronk's contract was the Kittle contract of today. Yeah, no. And, and I'm, I'm super happy for both of them. They're both the number one option and really great for their organizations. Um, Kittle, in, in due time, we'll get another type of deal that I hope he then resets the market again. Um, just because I usually these types of deals, before you go into the last year of the contract, if you have a good relationship with your organization, you're a player, they usually re-up that deal uh, before the final year. So I anticipate another big deal coming his way. Probably not so much for Kelsey because he'll be 36 to 37 by the end of his current contract. Um, so that'll probably look more like a one to three year deal, but great for both of them. Great for each franchise. And I foresee a lot more, uh, NFC and AFC championships coming both their way in the near future. Now let's go talk about who we believe, who I believe, and then who you believe will have the biggest turnaround. And this can be tailored to our previous episodes, depending on the team we're going to talk about each, um, to episode two and episode three, where we did entire AFC and NFC uh, breakdown of who we thought was going to win each division, wins and loss records, and coming out of the NFC and AFC. So if you haven't listened to those, go check those out as well. I'll kick us off here, Jared. Not surprising because you might remember this. You you thought I was smoking weed. You thought I have a I have a feeling that it's somewhere down in Florida. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's down Florida. Um, The old Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wow! Anyone who listened to those episodes would have been able to call this. (laughs) So I have them due to you know I can do math. I I somehow graduated high school. It was a miracle, but I made it. They were seven and nine last year. Jameis Winston was the quarterback. Interception, just wonder out there. Seven of those he threw for uh, pick sixes. Real resume building type of uh, talent you want to have on your team when he's doing that. That's my biggest reason why I think they're going to turn this around is because that's not going to be there anymore. And want to know who is there now? Tom Brady, the GOAT. The best, no quarterback, the best quarterback to ever play the game as of, as of today and this year. Um, so I have the Bucks. Previously, last year they were seven and nine. I have them going thirteen and three, winning the NFC South and coming out of the NFC and playing the Super Bowl. And so for me, the big factor is the Jameis Winston minus and the Tom Brady addition, as well as everything they've already kept there. Godwin's still there. Mike Evans still there. Mike Evans came out today and was just glowing with Tom Brady. Um, w- words of excellence. Oh my God, this guy's a living legend. I, f- 
I feel like I'm going to become a living legend like by playing with them. So there's, there's a lot of happiness. Don't buy the hype, people. Don't buy the hype. <laughs> buy the hype. Buy it now while you can because Tom Brady does nothing but make the playoffs and go far in the playoffs. You've seen it. You've seen the track record up in New England. He's going to bring that down to Florida. And so that, to me, is the biggest turnaround. I didn't really have anyone close other than that. I had a few teams, you know, making three-game positives, but to me that isn't a big enough turnaround to talk about. So, Jared, I know you don't like my prediction. You illustrated that very clearly in Episode 3 that you thought I was a crazy man. Who uh, who you got as the big turnaround? You, you're just buying everything that ESPN and, and all these networks tell you. And I'm not – how dare you? How I, dare you say I get my thoughts and takes from that trash organization, ESPN? You, know, you turn on the me. TV, you, you see Tom Brady, and then you, you, you buy into whatever they're, they're showing you. So I'm not like that. I uh, take things with a grain of salt. And so for my biggest turnaround team in 2020, if we're going based purely off our AFC and FC predictions last couple episodes, sorry, episode two and three, uh, mine would be the Cardinals. And I'm not going to talk about them right now because I feel like our audience yeah, deserves some, some fresh takes. So today I decided to pick a team out of the bag that's going to be the biggest turnaround team in 2020. And they're not just out of the bag because if I would do that, I'd just turn on ESPN and see what they're telling me. So my biggest turnaround team in 2020 is the Cleveland Browns. Last year they were 6-10. and 10. They, Yes, they, we thought they'd be better than that. They had a lot okay. of raw talent on the team. Uh, but just re- Cleveland, the factory of sadness. The factory that, of sadness. That place. Factory sadness. I have okay, become okay. a factory of happiness. Not happy enough to make the playoffs, but to go from six and ten to a winning record is a big deal. And I think they could go nine and seven or better. They got rid of their entire coaching staff. They got rid of G- the Dorsey, John Dorsey, the general ma- manager Horrible. of the Browns. Moron. That's that's a great decision by the Browns organization. They brought in Andrew Barry. He's the new GM that I think will have a great, you know, they call it a uh, planned marriage in football where they bring in a new head coach and a GM that have never worked together before. And this is what we're seeing in Cleveland right now. They're bringing in Andrew Barry and uh, Stefanski, who's the old offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Love him. Love that guy. I think he's a great pick for their new head coach and their new defensive coordinator is Joe Woods who comes from the 49ers. Yes. Last year's 49ers Super Bowl team that he was the defensive backs coach and will now be the defensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. And I thought that was a bit great move. You got miles Garrett who's set to return week one. Remember he was uh, punished for the fiasco with yeah. Rudolph and yeah. Pittsburgh and you know you hate to see it he just probably deserved what he got but he'll be he'll be a happy man then though he got a 130 million dollar deal he's ready exactly. to go exactly they they extended him he's, he's good to go and you know that year he was on pace for 16 sacks uh which isn't the record but I think the record's 22 and a half by Michael Strahan, yeah, but, but it's on the way. Yeah, it's on the way. It's in the right direction. And the guy's just uh, absolute, absolute one of the top three defensive ends in the league. 
On top of that, they drafted uh, Jedrick Wills Jr. from Alabama offensive tackle. First, uh, he was the 10th pick overall first round. I think that's a good pick to help protect Mayfield because I feel, I feel that Baker struggles with a couple things. One is protection and staying in the pocket. The other is maturity, both on and off the field, but I'm focused more on the field right now. He, if he can learn how to stay in the pocket and, and stop trying to be Russell Wilson out there, I think it'll benefit him. And to do that, he needs the right coaches. So, yes, they're starting from scratch, bringing in a GM and, and a new coaching staff, which typically I would say that's a big uh, question mark. Uh-oh, I don't know how this is going to play out. In this situation, I think they picked the right people. And I think they're going in the right direction. I'm still, I can't say with confidence that I'm going to be a hundred, you know, some of my predictions, I can tell you, this is going to happen. Like the Cardinals going to playoffs, that's going to happen. Oh, sure. Browns having a winning record next year and being the biggest turnaround team in 2020. I can't tell you that that's going to happen, but if these guys play it right, it could be a a very real possibility. I, and I, and once again, the talent in Cleveland is there. They just need the chemistry and the coaches. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, I'd, I hope you're right. Because, I, I mean, I did have them in the playoffs, the 9-7. and seven. So I, I, I think they can, especially with Stefanski. I think he's going to bring the right level of leadership there to turn Baker, Baker around after uh, last year of having a, a very, very sophomore slump. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think uh, you're going to be wrong here. Now, biggest downfall. I've got two teams eyeing for this. One of them correlates with the team that just is going to have the biggest turnaround is the Patriots because they lost Tom Brady. They won 12 and four last year. They barely edged it out. They have no so, weapons. So when you Go to yeah. bed at night and you get out your diary uh-huh. from under your bed and you go, Well, actually, it's my notepad. It's my notepad. Thank Tom you. Tom Brady, blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> all I feel like in your analysis is you looked at what happened to Tom Brady in the offseason. And that's, that, I'm giving you a lot of shit right now. But oh, trust me. I'm, I'm <laughs> your, feeling it. I'm your analysis is Patriots bad, Bucks good. Okay. All well, because I, of the GOAT. And yes, I, he is the GOAT for now. But All right, I said a little. Got, you gotta understand, Tom Brady. Your, your little mountain goat is forty-three years old. You can't climb those mountains anymore. It's it's twenty twenty. You can do anything you set your mind to. Now, sure, you think all I do is just yeah, Tom Brady had Tom Brady lost for analysis. No, absolutely not. First off, yeah, that's kind of an important piece. Someone that's been there for twenty years. That was the you know mouth the extra mouth, the coach on the field for Bill Belichick and his scheme and his system. Because guess what? Bill Belichick, your scheme and your system didn't work until Tom Brady showed up. What would you do in Cleveland? Yeah, nothing. Okay, I don't want to hear about how great Bill Belichick is. All right, now he's got Cam Newton. Is Cam Newton going to be saying the same thing? Is Stidham going to be saying the same thing and everyone's going to believe the words that come out of their mouth? Dan. Yes. I'm heated. I, I say we gotta we gotta make a bet live on the podcast. Okay, let's I make a bet, bet. I bet the Patriots will have a better record than the Buccaneers by the end of the year. Okay, what do we bet? I will take that bet. 
I want two to one odds. Okay. I don't meaning, care. Meaning, uh, you know, whatever we're betting here, if I'm right. You know, we back I, in the I'm truck up? We back in the truck? We don't need to back the truck, but uh, let's just make, you know, friendly wager. It's on air. Okay. Let's, you know what? I'll do $50. $50. All right. Yeah. So if you're right, I'll pay you 50. If you're wrong, you pay me a hundred. Yep. Deal. Lock it in. We'll do a, uh, co- a COVID handshake over the air. I'm, I'm literally shaking my hand and looking at myself like an idiot, but uh, I like it. You know, this, this is what people want and not to mention, God, you're going to be so wrong. The amount of people that think the Patriots are going to have a better record than the Bucks is astronomical, and I have no idea what their logic is. But let me, let me continue why they're going to go from 12-4 and four to 7-9 and nine this year. So, obviously, the big loss of quarterback. They don't know who their quarterback is right now, and I'm going to save that for a little bit because we're going to talk a charade. about it. It's all a charade. Oh, it's all a charade. Okay. Um, they lost eight players to COVID. They lost one of their starting linebackers, Hightower, which we touched on in episode one. You agree that was a big loss. You know, that's kind of important that keeps one of your starting linebackers around. It was, and that's why, you know, we we did a little bit of odds on that bet because they are missing quite a few players. Yeah. So most of it I'm going to save for the QB conversation because that's where a lot of this dictates to me why they're going to go 7-9. and And also, they added no weapons, literally no weapons. The same people that Tom Brady was throwing to last year, guess what? Cam Newton and Jared Stidham, whoever's going to be the quarterback, is going to have to throw to those, those wide receivers and tight ends, and they all still suck. And J- Julian Edelman's like 41 years old. You know, him and Tom Brady can go retire together five years from now somewhere. All right, so I'll pause there at New England. My second team is Five Jack- years? He's going to be in the league till he's 48? Yeah, Tom Brady's going to still be kicking at like 45, so don't worry. Um, second one is Jacksonville. Honestly... Can we just move them over to London already? Just lock Roger Goodell, lock it in. It's an embarrassment down there. That organization, the fans, you know, I feel I feel bad for the fans. So I won't I won't make fun of the fans, but the organization never knows what they're doing. They're constantly reshuffling everything. And this was an organization three years ago that played against New England in the AFC title game and was up uh by ten points at one time. Hard to think, right? So, so they were they they were six and ten last year, right? Right. So they're going so one fifteen. Okay, gotcha. They're winning yeah. one game. They're going real downhill. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> when that one game one game happens, Jacksonville party it up because that's going to be the only one you're see you're going to be seeing all season. But it's going to be okay because come May of next year, you're going to be able to draft either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence and get your franchise quarterback. So there is light to the end of the tunnel here for you, but. It's going to be a long 17 weeks for you guys. So just just pack in, get ready. You don't have too much to be down about down there. It's gorgeous all the time. It's 70. So, you know, maybe go kayaking, sail a boat, but you won't really need to watch NFL Sundays outside of if you're gambling or playing fantasy football. Brutal. Brutal. So, yeah, that's who's going to be terrible this Jacksonville. <laughs> Man, yeah, you know what? Go, go Jacksonville Jags. You know, I'll, I like Minshew. You know, they, they, yes, they are a struggling team, but man, keep strong, Jacksonville. You're not going to London. Don't listen to this. Once again, you know, we're, we're just piping what, what you turn on the TV and you hear. Nah, that's not happening. They're staying in Jacksonville. 
Minshew's going to lead him to a couple wins this year. And yes, that, oh wow, that a couple a. wins and then get replaced. Congrats, <laughs> Minshew. <laughs> Hope you enjoy that. So who you got, Jared? Uh, okay, so I also picked two teams for this category. Um, it was just too hard to choose one. So number one, I have the Houston Texans. They went ten and six last year. And this coming year, they're going to have a fallout so bad they'll miss the playoffs. I don't even know if they're going to keep maintain a winning record. I could, you know, I think I picked them going eight and eight, 500. So I consider that a pretty big fallout. If you're going from to the playoffs to a 500 year, that's, that's going to hurt. Reason why. Obviously they lost Hopkins. We've gone over a lot of this stuff in previous episodes. Brandon Cooks is now on the team. He's a turf toe away from being out for the rest of the season. The guy's just injury oh, prone. How dare you wish that on someone? I, I, I'm not wishing it. <laughs> I'm not wishing it. I'm looking at it from a crystal ball of reality and what happens from year to year. And I'm projecting that, once again, we're not going to see Brandon Cooks play the whole year. I'm a Chiefs fan. We have the same situation with Sammy Watkins. Guy's a great receiver, but it's hard for him to stay healthy. And people, you know, people are different all around the world. And some people struggle with injuries more than others. I believe in things like injury prone players. And it's, it's a thing that's real. And I don't wish injury on anybody. But when I am looking at a player or a team, I have to take in all the factors. And injuries for me is one of those factors. I think people do it all the time in fantasy football. I think I... Uh, you know, if you're the coach of a team, you always pray that your team's staying healthy because injuries is the last thing you wish on anybody, even if they're on the opposing team. Number two, Bill O'Brien is making some decisions that I just can't figure out. I have a hard time understanding where his thought process is coming from. He is the head coach and GM of the Texans, so he makes a lot of the decisions, pretty much all of them. It's this offseason, I've seen a lot of WTF moments uh, oh, yeah. I just can't get, you know, I don't know what they're doing. They had five mediocre draft picks that will be of no use week one. Uh, the only thing that I see them having that doesn't let them drop below 500 is Deshaun Watson. He, he's just he's, too good. He's this, he's too good. And I got a lot of respect for that quarterback and, and he, he to me is going to, I hate to say this about any player, but if I was in his shoes, I'd be looking around questioning, what am I doing here? And is this where I am best suited or I fit best in the league? Moving on. Other team I think that's going to have a big fallout in 2020, the Chicago Bears. The Bears went 8-8 eight and eight last year. Mm-hmm. This year, I, I can't remember my pro, uh, projection off the top of my head, but it I think they're going to lose at least, you know, four or five games from that. So I see them getting like three or four wins. Oh, boy. Oh, poor Chicago. Here's why. One, they have a real big quarterback issue where they can't figure out who to start. They had a terrible offseason where they brought in Foles on a nightmare contract of $22 million that they're going to have to take away from their salary cap over the next few years. And they gave away a fourth-round pick for the guy. Okay. I don't there was other quarterbacks out there that they could have taken that Andy Dalton, for example, you would not have to send any picks and get oh. Andy Dalton on your team for 
and save that $22 million. Yep. So makes no sense. That had me questioning another big offseason issue, Jimmy Graham's contract. We were talking earlier about tight ends in the league who can block. You want to know who can't block? Jimmy Graham. He is one of the worst tight ends at blocking. If you don't believe me, go watch some games. You'll see it immediately. The guy can catch, but he can't block. And, and once again, that goes back to why George Kittle is such a good tight end. He can do both, and he can do both at the number one, number two level in the league. Uh, but so they get Jimmy Graham. They're already trying to pay for three tight ends uh, that they're just barely able to – they, they're sacrificing a lot to pay those guys. Then you go sign this guy for two years, $16 million, and a no-trade clause. That's what Jimmy Graham's contract is, Okay. So you take the Foles $22 million, you take Jimmy Graham's $16 million, you know, we're at $38 million now, and a no-trade clause, which I, don't, I have no idea, and you're throwing him into a competition of three other tight ends who I would say one or two of them might be better, and he's going to have to compete with those guys to get, to get on the field? What? It doesn't make sense to me. And then with the QBs, uh, battling the tight ends, battling. I, it's a sinking ship in my opinion. Cause if you don't have a guy at the helm, that ship's not staying afloat. And you know, the one star that they do have is obviously Khalil Mack. And once again, I think about Deshaun Watson on the Texans. If I'm Khalil Mack and this ship is sinking faster than Titanic. And I look around, do I see myself in Chicago for the rest of my career? Personally, if I was in those shoes, I would be looking for a new job. Yeah. Might, uh, might be time to request a trade, possibly, if you want to win, because you ain't winning in Chicago. Speaking of quarterback battles, though, as the Bears do have one, um, let's start with them, just because it's, it's rough up there. To your point of you have them as one of the biggest downfalls, Obviously, they've made a lot of terrible decisions from a GM perspective, from an organization perspective, one of which was bringing in Foles, who, God, everyone acts as if he is the greatest quarterback to touch this planet because he had 11 good games one season and then played well in two games that won him a Super Bowl after taking over for once. I don't understand why people value him so much, especially when Cam Newton went to New England for a million-dollar contract. It, it's mind-boggling to me. I that, agree, 100%. That, it, it doesn't make sense. I can't comprehend it. I don't know what these, gen, these GMs are looking at. And then so, you got, so who would you pick? Like, we're in Chicago right now. You're the uh-huh. GM. you got to make a decision right now. Fools or Chabisky, it's week one. Who's starting? So, so I compare this situation to if I'm the Bears GM and the fan base – it's like I've been in the Sahara Desert for about three weeks and I haven't eaten yet. I'm at the top of this, this desert hill and there's two plates somehow that just appear out of nowhere with a sign on them. And I open the plates. It's two-year-old McDonald's or eight-year-old McDonald's. This, I okay, t- I got to interrupt you. This yeah. is so funny. I had this written <laughs> down. This is, this is why we did this podcast together, folks. 
I wrote down notes on Folsom Trubisky. Mine were, this is like deciding between eating a piece of moldy pizza or buffalo wings that you left out all night. <laughs> and, exact same comparison. And, and it's like, well, either way, I'm probably going to die because there's no end in sight because I'm in the Sahara. But I'd rather have two-year-old McDonald's. And so what that equates to is Trubisky is six years younger. He's only in his third year. I think, well, this will be his fourth. Let me correct myself. This will be his fourth. You still have him on the rookie deal. If he's going to turn it around, it's going to be this year. A quarterback competition isn't a terrible thing, but in my mind, if I'm the GM and I'm Matt Nagy, the, the coach, I stay with Trubisky. I tailor the offense to what it looked like in 2018 where they went 12-4. and four. Um and went to the playoffs. Unfortunately, their kicker missed that field goal. Um, and there was, once again, heartbreak in Chicago. But right. 2018, he threw for 24 touchdowns, only 12 picks, a 2-1 to ratio. That's great. His quarterback rating was 95, which is above the average. The average quarterback rating in the NFL is 86. His completion percentage was 67%. And he rushed for a couple of touchdowns. Because compared to 2018... Terrible. Looks like a completely different quarterback. His rating went down 15 points. He only threw 17 touchdown passes. Uh, completion percentage dropped 4%. Overall, just looked horrible. So I think they need to look back at that 2018 tape really hard. A lot. Mitch Trubisky is actually pretty fast. Um, you know, he, I would compare him not as good as I'm just saying talent wise from a quarterback standpoint. He's as fast as Aaron Rodgers and Alex Smith. So he's sneaky. He's athletic. a mobile. Exactly. Sneaky athletic, as the commentators like to say. He's mobile. They should run a lot more bootlegs, a lot more screen plays. Get him out and about with his legs. So that way, if the defense you know, is playing a soft zone or they play man and in the corners, uh, their backs are turned to Trubisky, he can just take off running if the pass isn't there. So I personally would just go with the younger quarterback. There's a reason you drafted him. Give it one more year. And if it doesn't work, just dump them both and rebuild. That's Jared. That's my thoughts. I mean, either way, Chicago and their QB situation is absolute trash and they're going nowhere. But that if I had to choose, I'm going Trubisky. Yeah, I won't take long in this analysis because we're comparing the 30th best quarterback in the league to probably the 34th best quarterback in the league. And I say, no doubt, start Trubisky. We, I, Foles, look at their ceilings, right? Trubisky's ceiling is higher than Foles, in my opinion. Absolutely. He is, if you're looking at raw talent, I would go, yes, you can say Foles has been there, done that. But it's – I. I with 99% confidence can say Foles is not going back to a Super Bowl any anytime soon. If he is, he'll be sitting on the bench. So Trubisky 100%. Now let's let's talk about a happier quarterback situation. I feel this one is Jared. Let's let's go back down to Florida. Not not Tampa. We're not going there. Don't worry. There's not a QB situation happening there. Let's go to Miami. Little bad boys. And we got Fitzpatrick, journeyman, Harvard man. And we got the new guy, Tua Talavailoa, the quarterback from Bama, coming in hot. So I want to hear. I, I took up a lot of time there. I know with the well, there's a, there's a, there's a third. 
Oh yeah, there, You sure. can't leave out Josh Rosen. Oh, how you know? You you go ahead and take it away. That I was so disrespectful. I forgot Josh was in there. So we, apparently, there's three quarterbacks out there. But you you go ahead. Who who's coming out? So here's the situation. You have Fitz Magic, who is an older quarterback that can pull out some amazing games. Like last year, where I don't know. I'm sure you remember this, Dan. The Chiefs were playing. Um, a game, and at the same time, the Dolphins were playing the Patriots. Oh, oh I'll remember and if, that if the Dolphins, which never beat the Patriots, if the Dolphins beat the Patriots, then the Chiefs get a higher seed in the playoffs. And sure enough, and we got a bye because, you know, first one's yep. two seeds got buys back then. And sure enough, Ben Fitzpatrick leads the Dolphins on a touchdown pass and late in the fourth to a victory over the New England Patriots. Everybody was happy, except for when I was at the bar watching that game. There was a table full of Patriots fans that just, oh my gosh, I was soaking in the moment. Of the, of, of their, <laughs> I bet they were crying. So oh, they were. They were. Probably got some Jaeger bonds. Dolphins. Oh my gosh. But anyways, Fitzpatrick, he is like a coin toss every game. He's either going to you know, pull a Jameis Winston on a good day and throw like five touchdowns and an interception or, or he's going to show up like a bad Jameis Winston and, and just not get anything going. You'll have to take him out at half because you're down 30. So Fitzpatrick is who I would consider the immediate backup versus the other two guys. Well, unfortunately the other two guys are just not good. Josh Rosen has never had a positive TD ratio. I think last year he threw one touchdown and five interceptions through six games. My goodness, that is bad. I went before that and he was, you know, negative ratio again with more interceptions and touchdowns. So Josh Rosen, in my opinion, is not the answer unless he somehow has improved drastically in the offseason. Oh, he hasn't. I, I, and, and, been drinking some miracle milk or something. I I I can't think of a day that the Dolphins are going to be starting Josh yeah. Rosen. Maybe season. that that uh, that magic that Mike Juice from Space Jam. He needs some yeah. of that. Exactly, exactly. Then you have Tua, and Tua is a rookie, so he there's going to be a lot of question marks around him whether or not that he can come into the NFL year one and be a quarterback to take the Dolphins to a winning record because I think the Dolphins are capable of getting a winning record this year I see it more happening with uh, Fitz starting out early to uh, taking over maybe after a few games and, and learning from Fitzpatrick and then Fitz being the immediate backup for when Tua throws three interceptions in the first quarter that's what I see uh, Brian Flores the the head coach on Tua today was saying that and I quote, a lot of improvement needs to be made, but I'm pleased with all our QBs, end quote. To typical me, that's, typical uh, coach that's, answer. That's a, that's a bad sign. That means all our QBs are playing well. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> not that he doesn't have any idea that he's doing. He doesn't know who he's going to pick yet. So right. it's keeping it close to the vest. Yeah. I think, I think they should start Fitz week one, uh, then bring Tua in later on in the year to start. I disagree. I think you go two out of the gate. Um, I was reading many Miami articles. I hadn't seen that latest one today, but 
everyone, every article I was reading was saying they should start Tua. And that could be obviously a little bias of, you know, he was the number five pick. He's their future franchise quarterback. Everyone wants some new blood. They want some excitement in the air. So there's probably some of that related to why everyone thinks Tua should start. But I also just think from a pure quarterback standpoint, you know what you get with Fitzpatrick. If two is healthy, put him in there. Let him go. I mean, this guy was amazing at Alabama. And sure, everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, but Alabama spits out first to second round picks left and right. Sure, they absolutely do. But guess what? So does 90% of the SEC. So he's playing against NFL talent that he's going to be seeing on Sundays all the time in college. And something else, the QBR stat that they track in college, Tua is 15 points above the second, the number two guy. And your number two guy is actually your boy, Jared. It's Kyler Murray. Um, That's how good Tua is. And in his games that he started, so he didn't start uh, his freshman year. He he took over uh, in the championship game when they played Georgia that year and and came in for Jalen Hurts and they won. But uh, the two years he started, he threw for a combined 76 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. Wowzers. I mean, that dude lights it up. Um, And everything I read is that he's healthy. So if I'm Brian Flores, if he's healthy, if he knows the playbook, I'm putting Tua in. He's the better quarterback. And I was watching some film uh, of him in training camp. I mean, my Lord, that dude is so accurate. He looks like a left-handed Russell Wilson out there. I was that impressed with some of the clips I saw. So I personally, I think you start to, uh, he's your franchise quarterback. He's going to be the one that's going to be leading you to the playoffs and hopefully short order. If you guys continue, if the Miami Dolphins continue to draft well, and that's who I would go with. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, I could see that as a, as a real possibility. I would argue with that. What about uh, New England? If we go up to the Patriots, go up to Foxborough real quick. We got Uh, Newton versus Stidham. Oh, Foxborough. What are you guys? I'll go quick here. I'll go quick here. I think this is a no-brainer. Belichick today is saying he's open to a QB platoon. Liar. Liar. This is – everyone should know this by now. He is not actually thinking that he's going to have a QB platoon going into week one. He's going to have the quarterback figured out. He has it probably figured out today. And for me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going with Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton's a, a quarterback that can take teams to the playoffs. He has the passion. He has the work ethic. He has the drive to learn a new offense, to lead, lead those players to victory. I go Cam Newton. Who do you got, Dan? So I go Cam Newton, but with not exactly happy about it. I mean, how can you be right? You just lost Tom Brady, who was there for 20 years. My biggest, what I'm hearing, the rumblings I see, the articles I read, the people who are on this Cam Newton bandwagon, I'll think 2015 Cam Newton's walking through the door. Like what? That was five years ago, everyone. <laughs> just a heads up, some real quick math I did right there for you. Five years ago, he was the MVP, and then they went to the Super Bowl last. Yeah, congrats. He's still younger than Brady, but guess what? He gets hit on every play, and he acts like he's Mark Ingram out there when he runs the ball. All right? He has injuries issues. 
a lot. He missed 14 games last year. I do think you start him, but they aren't going to go 8-8 eight eight or have a winning record. So enjoy 7-9 and nine or below. Personally, I think as much as I know he was a liar, uh, Bill Belichick, when he said that comment of, yeah, we're looking at platooning. Okay, stop lying to the public, all right? We're smarter than you. I believe that they should maybe look at platooning in a way of tanking to get a franchise quarterback because Cam Newton isn't the answer long-term. Um, unless Belichick just isn't a big fan of, of trying to go for a rookie quarterback and hitting the hidden gold again with, with a Tom Brady type of player, maybe they're just looking at this as a bridge period to where they get, I don't know, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, maybe some other quarterback becomes available somehow. So I don't know what their overall plan of attack it is to eventually get back to the, their standard of constantly being in the AFC title game and going to the Super Bowls. But Cam Newton isn't it. But, yes, I do think he wins the starting job. So, congrats. Here's a cookie. Okay. <clears throat> so we both kind of agree there. I just think they'll be more successful and that they're not going to tank on purpose. Yeah. I mean, one thing – so <laughs> what I was researching said um, – the reason I haven't really said his name is I was reading a bunch of articles about comps when he was coming out of the draft and there were multiple people that compared him to Derek Carr. And I was like, ah, it's not exactly the comparison you want. Good. Yeah. No. So I was like, huh, I can't, I can't lie to the American people and try to convince myself that Sidham is somehow going to start off Cam Newton. So right. Right. Even <laughs> if, if, if I think Cam Newton's healthy now, obviously he is like we discussed earlier, injury prone. And that is a huge factor. Um, and he, it is five years from 2015. I agree. However, if he can stay healthy, it, it's like a Matt Stafford situation for me. They're around the you know same level of experience. I uh, both dealt with injuries last year where they only played a handful of games. But if both quarterbacks can play healthy, they, they can show up for some games. And they can beat a very good NFL team at, you know, on a given day. Yeah. No, well, we're going to see what happens, but uh, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be winning that bet we'll about see. the Buccaneers. We'll so. see. So, <laughs> and then the last team we have doing right. the quarterback, uh, you know, figuring out who they're going to start is the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. They're deciding between Alex Smith, who is – it's so awesome that he's healthy and able to play again, Kyle Allen, and Dwayne Askins. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make this real short. If Alex Smith is healthy, which it sounds like he is, he's off the pup list. Um, he's starting. He's 100% should be your starter. You have the track record of what he has accomplished and can produce. Dwayne Haskins, I saw seven games of film. I don't need to see an eighth. I really don't. Haskins will be taking a back seat out of that yeah. trio, I believe. He'll be the third okay. string and then Kyle Allen, I saw enough of you in, in the Panthers uniform as well when Cam Newton wasn't playing. Honestly, it, was, it wasn't bad. It was better than I expected him to be. Um, so I disagree there a little bit. I, I agree with you. If Smith, if Smith is healthy, he should be the starter. Kyle Allen should be the backup, and Haskins should be thinking about getting a different job other than playing in the NFL. Um, if Smith is not 100%, and I've seen some videos of him, and I don't think he is. If he's getting rushed by, you know, 300-pound defensive linemen, I, I don't see him at 100% yet. 
Uh, so I, I could see Kyle Allen taking week one, and then they bring in Smith once he is 100%. Okay, that's fair. For, for me, if, if you're going to not play Alex Smith because he isn't healthy yet, I think you do throw Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Haskins back into the fire. Because sure, you know, I'm making fun of him. I, I'm saying I've already seen enough after seven games. But that is kind of a light load. And, and who knows? Maybe he improved a lot this offseason. And throw him in there and see what he can do. You, they did draft him uh, with, I think it was the 15th or 18th pick in, last, in the previous year's draft. So there's, you, you put capital into him. You might as well see if he can really be your franchise quarterback. To me, the Kyle, the Kyle Allen start doesn't really make sense. He's older. He's not who you drafted. Stuff like that just never works. Like, you always go with a guy no, normally. Look at Fitzpatrick. Tra- Fitzpatrick, I, I feel like Fitzpatrick kind of fits that same criteria of, oh, you bring him onto your team, you, you have these younger guys that should be starters, but Fitzpatrick can just win games. You're going to take the guy who can win now. I disagree with your – I, I think Kyle Allen's the guy that could win now. Haskins is the guy who just doesn't stand a chance. Sure. No, I'm not even going to say sure playing one game. I think Haskins sits the entire year. I don't think he sees – unless Smith and Allen are out due to injury, I don't see Haskins get – you know, having a football in his hands on that, on that field. That's, that's going to be an ego, uh, an ego bruiser. Well, then they should probably trade him then if they aren't going to play him, honestly. That'd just be my two cents. But yeah, hopefully, if you haven't seen already, there is a great video circulating. It has circulated already of uh, Alex Smith's family who like open a bunch of champagne bottles on him when uh, he gets taken yeah, off. Yeah, did the... you see him dodging that champagne? Yeah, he looked it a little It didn't slow. look 100%. No, it didn't <laughs> look 100%. I was like, man, if you can't dodge your 10, 10-year-old son with a champagne bottle, what are you going to do? What do you yeah, have? Yeah, when uh, a guy Chase, can run a, what you a 4 three forty coming yeah. after you. Yeah, you got Chase Young. He friends a four four forty. You just They just drafted him. You got to go up against him in practice. Uh, yeah. I hope he does start. I hope he does well. Obviously, you know, we are Kansas City Chiefs fans, so a lot of the foundation that was set here and the early playoff success um, was due to Alex Smith and, and Andy Reid. So he's just a good dude. He's yeah. a good dude. He helps out the community. He he does a lot of great things just at uh, off the field, as well as being a great leader on the field. So wish him the best. Now, so with that in mind, that wraps us up for episode five here today. Um, if you don't already. Go follow us on Instagram. The Peanut Gallery 36 is our username. If you have any suggestions, ideas, commentary, email us at peanutgallery36 at gmail.com. Also, make sure listening on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, like, subscribe, comment. We reply to all comments we get. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for stopping by. Amen.